Hello, everybody. You're listening to a Bitcoin and Markets live stream. My name is Ansel Lindner, and on this show, I give you a unique perspective on Bitcoin, macro, and geopolitics. You can find me all over. Follow me on Twitter at Ansel Lindner. The Telegram channel is doing really well, so go to t.me forward slash Bitcoin and Markets to join there to listen to these live streams live. You can find the show in any podcast app. Just search for Bitcoin and Markets or go to bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash find dash us and you can find most big podcast apps will be listed there. We're also on Rumble and Odyssey so you can find our channels and go subscribe and give us likes so we can um, reach more people over there on those video apps. We have lost our YouTube channel. And lastly, make sure you're subscribed over on bitcoinandmarkets.com to get notified of all of my content. All right. Let's jump in to today's topics. The news cycle in Bitcoin is a little bit slower today, but um, we're going to cover a few things and a few headlines, some charts and things like that. Uh, We'll see. Every time I say it's going to be a shorter stream, it turns out to be another 45 minute stream. So I I do think it's going to be shorter today. Of course, I'm going to open up the mic at the end for people on Telegram. So if you're listening to Spaces or on the podcast, when this goes out later, you can join us live either through Twitter Spaces or on the Telegram. The Telegram is t.me forward slash Bitcoin and Markets. And when I open up the mic, then people on Telegram can speak and the recording usually picks it up. Sometimes it doesn't come through clearly, but I don't really want to juggle two apps and have people speak on Twitter spaces and on Telegram, it's it's a little bit too much. Yeah, so let's hit the charts first. I didn't even really talk about the charts all that much yesterday. Um, I have put out yesterday's two streams as one podcast. You can find that in all your podcast apps and stuff. Uh, it turned out to be a really good show. Um, I lightly edit it and then put bumpers on it and stuff and put it out as a podcast. Yeah, I think it turned out great. You guys can find that, of course, in all your podcast apps as well as on Rumble and Odyssey. Odyssey is turning into my my favorite user experience. And I really don't know anything about their token or their coin. I can see the little balance in the top right corner of your account, but, you know, I'm not using anything with that. Um, I just, I really like the interface. It's very smooth, much, much quicker than Rumble. Uh, Rumble seems like, you know, a website out of 2005, not a website for 2022. So I'm hoping their back end is better. I, obviously, their back end is better. And they have, you know, a way to integrate with locals. And maybe someday I'll get my locals community going. I, I have set it up. I just haven't gone with it. But uh, for right now, Telegram is pretty cool. It's working great. And we're starting to get a lot more interaction in there. So that's awesome. You can check again, guys on spaces, t.me for slash Bitcoin and markets. Okay. Um, the Bitcoin chart, we did have a little tiny, tiny bit of green here overnight, and it went right back up into that kind of downward sloping trend line. Again, not a ton of strength. There is some more FUD out there, I guess you could say. This KuCoin, no idea what that is. Okay, I've been I've been around Bitcoin for a long time, guys. And at the beginning, I paid attention to all the altcoins and all the 
marketing schemes that they have. And, and, you know, in the last few years, you just can't keep up with it. And KuCoin, no idea what it is, but apparently they are offering yields and there's some like on your Bitcoin, you get over 300%. Obviously this is about to explode. If it's been around for any length of time and, you know, you had 10% or something, and then now all of a sudden it's 300%, uh, they really need your Bitcoin right now. <laughs> and they'll promise you any sort of interest rate that is, you know, everyone has a price, right? There's always a price. It's just, it's just like I say, there's no labor shortage. There's no such thing as a labor shortage. It's just that you're paying people too little. You have to pay people more. And same with interest rates. It's just a question of interest rates. And so I, that reminds me of a thread that I saw this morning. Let me see if I can find it here real quick. It was by Shire Hoddle on Twitter. And they were making fun of uh, people that say you need credit. And so they said, but people, the economy need credit. Then they said, what for? To buy a house? At what age? How long does it take to save a deposit? How long does it take to pay a mortgage? Can't they just save deflationary money and buy whatever they want a little later and at much lower cost? No, no, they can't. I mean, there is obviously a need for credit. There will always be credit. And later on in this thread, they said, uh, Shire Hoddle says, but credit will always exist, you know, as mocking people like me that say that. And, but it's true. It's just a question of the interest rate that you charge. Of course, there will be much less credit in the world, but there will always be credit and you need credit. As I've talked about here on the show, you know, when people started thinking in a money of account, a abstract unit value that Bitcoin does represent. But once people started thinking about that back in, you know, roughly, I would say the 15th century, maybe no, 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 no. Um, late 16th into the 17th century, when people really started, uh, the merchant class was getting going and, and people were really starting to think in this abstract ghost money, this book money, unit of account. That's when large infrastructure projects started. When people thought in a credit way, you know, credit is denominated in an abstract currency unit. And once people started taking on board this idea of credit, it changed our thought process and we started having modern civilization, modern infrastructure projects. You need credit to build infrastructure projects. Let's say you have a, a gigantic infrastructure project and your plan, it will make a million dollars a year in revenue. And you need a $10 million loan. And, you know, to service that loan, it'll cost you, um, I don't know, 50000 or $100,000 a year to service that loan. But when it works out on paper that you're going to make that revenue, of course, people will invest in that. And that's the only way to really get that money from the savers to the entrepreneur. That's the only way to do it. Unless there was a previous thing that the entrepreneur did and they were able to save money themselves, but then they would actually be doing a disservice. They will be underperforming the market. If your speciality is entrepreneurship and you're, you're a visionary, you know, like Elon Musk or something, you're this visionary. 
and you can, you know, turn $10 into $100 super easily with anything you do, then it, it is inefficient for you to hold savings, right? And so you want to borrow money from those people who are able to, that's their speciality is to work and save. So that is, there's always a need for credit. There's always a need to allocate capital. And that is just what a credit market is doing. So when this Shire Hoddle is saying, oh, people in the economy need credit. Of course they need credit. There needs to be some sort of capital allocation in an economy. If you think there's going to be no like movement of money, like why do we even need money? It doesn't make any sense. Ugh. Anyways, God, that was a tangent here. Let's go back to the charts. So that was the Bitcoin chart. Nothing super exciting. A couple hundred bucks overnight, and it's drifting back downward here a little bit. But let's look at some correlated markets. So the indirect correlation with the dollar, which really, that's just a short-term indirect. But if you zoom out and you look at, say, the last, well, all of Bitcoin, and you look at the path of the dollar, and the history of Bitcoin, they have both gone up. So Bitcoin is positively correlated with the dollar. And that sounds counterintuitive to everybody. Of course, the dollar is going to weaken because Bitcoin is the inflation hedge. No, but that's not what's happening here. Just zoom out, okay? The dollar is strengthening and so is Bitcoin. Those are the facts. Now what? How does that change your worldview? How does that change your investment thesis in Bitcoin? Do you still understand what's happening? So Bitcoin is a deflation hedge as well. And we're doing a deflation. We're in a deflationary collapse, a slow motion deflationary collapse of the dollar system where the dollar will continue to strengthen as debt burden grows. You know, debt burden will grow faster than productivity and it will uh, get harder and harder to pay pay your debts. And if you default, it doesn't matter because default is deflation as well. Makes money disappear. So, um, yeah, right now the dollar 106, spot six or spot seven maybe, if you round up. Um, not doing much over the last two or three weeks. It's really been sitting at 106. Um, of course, if you are a listener of my content, you know that I think the dollar will be range bound here. And that's when Bitcoin performs the best, by the way, over the last 10 years is when the dollar is actually range bound. And uh, th that just means that there's, you know, when the dollar is moving. So like the last 12, 18 months, when the dollar is moving, Bitcoin actually does less. It doesn't do as well because that means that something in the economy is drastically changing. There's a stressor somewhere. It's not calm out there in the financial system. It is actually, there is um, some volatility happening, whether the dollar is weakening or strengthening. So when the dollar is sideways, range bound, people have a chance to take a breath and maybe reallocate some of their capital somewhere. And that's when Bitcoin is going to do the best. Because if you are really hurting right now and you're about to get liquidated or, you know, you're having a hard time making ends meet as a, a common person, then you're not going to be worrying about Bitcoin. You're not going to be allocating to Bitcoin. 
it's the time when there's a little bit of reflation, but dollar is sideways. Everything kind of is stable for a couple years time. And that's when Bitcoin does the best because people have a chance to think about what they're doing. So anyway, that is the dollar. Let's take a look at oil is another one of my favorites. And of course, yesterday there was, as I was recording, I saw a headline that said, uh, oh, OPEC is thinking about doing another production cut. Imagine that, right? Oil is oil is falling and OPEC comes out with some more, uh, a new headline with a new announcement, a new press release. So they're just trying to manipulate the market. And then, of course, today here we have another one. It's the headline is oil dips after OPEC plus headlines. Next week's much anticipated OPEC plus meeting in Vienna has now been moved to a virtual meeting. But as Amina Baker noted, this does not mean it's a nothing burger. Okay. Reuters is reporting that according to five sources among delegates, OPEC plus is quote, likely to stick with existing oil output policy, end quote, but also noted that the group could quote, consider further reducing oil output, end quote. <laughs> so they want it both ways. They're, they're probably going to uh, stick with the existing oil output, but they're could consider reducing the oil output. I mean, OPEC plus has a vested interest in keeping oil relatively stable. They don't want to price gouge because why? Their customers will suffer, right? They want their customers to be healthy. They want their customers to do well, just like all business. They want their customers to do well. So they'll come back and they don't do that by price gouging. So they don't want super high oil and they don't want super low oil. Because then that means they're losing out and they'll have to cut production. And that, of course, that's the cycle here. Overproduction, underproduction. So um, they would like to keep it stable. If they could keep it stable at 80, I think they would. And so we're going to see a lot of back and forth. They don't know exactly what they're going to do, but they've cut um, their quotas. And they're, oh, no, they cut their demand forecast five times this year. So maybe they'll cut it again as a result of this meeting. But uh, that goes in line with what I've been saying. D demand is going to drop faster than supply at this time. And so we're looking at a long period of possibly range bound, but over the long term, declining oil. Instead of peak oil supply, we've actually hit peak oil demand as, you know, on a decade long secular cycle here. So zooming out, we're going to, drift downward over the next couple decades in oil price and what does that do to prices in general you know in cpi that pulls them down so there, there's a few things that uh, a few factors a few forces that are pushing on the cpi and again this is cpi this is not money printing <laughs> you know uh, it's it's crazy when People can look at this and, and they say, oh, yeah, well, the, the cause of inflation was supply chains. Well, no, inflation means money printing. The cause of money printing was not uh, supply chains. <laughs> That's a supply shock. The reason why they use CPI, guys, is because they can't measure money. They don't know what money is. It's not M2. It's not M1. It's not even base money. They don't know how to measure money. And Alan Greenspan said this 20 years ago. 
they've known for a very long time that they don't understand what counts as money because not all quote unquote forms of the US dollar are fungible. They're not all exchange, exchangeable at the same ratios and in different market conditions. So when market conditions are nice, then maybe you know there's a um, different valuation to the debt-based dollar and to other forms of the dollar like treasury securities or even um, high quality commercial paper. They, those things will have higher value when the economy is buzzing, when it's going nice and everything is going well. And then when the economy starts getting into a rough patch, those things lose value, right? The price of treasury securities or even commercial paper, those go down when we're hitting a rough patch. So money is destroyed as the value of those money substitutes or cash equivalents go down. If the value of your cash equivalents go down, you have destruction of monetary value out there. And the, the Fed, the, these powers that be have no idea how to measure it. So what do they do? They form CPI. And CPI is just a very basic measurement of prices because that's all they can do. All they can do to define inflation, since they can't count the money, what they do is do CPI. I mean, the first question you have to ask is, why don't they just count the money supply? Because they can't. They literally cannot count it. I don't know how I got on that tangent, but that's what OPEC is saying here again. They're just, they're just trying to keep the price of oil relatively stable by these press releases. Okay, next chart up. Let's take a look at stocks here. I look at the S&P 500. I think there have been studies with S with uh, the different stock markets and their correlation with Bitcoin. And the S&P 500, I believe, is the closest. It's even closer than NASDAQ. But uh, that's over the last, you know, say, 18 months. And um, so I plus I look at the S&P 500 because it's pretty much the largest thing. There's a few other um, exchanges that you could look at that have more stocks. But uh, the S&P 500 is a very good cross-section of equity markets. So it uh, looks like it's a little bit red today. I'm going to go the daily candle. A little bit red, but nothing crazy. I'm going to post a chart of this into the Telegram. Let me just put on some moving averages. We're still stuck between the 100-day and 200-day moving average. But the price is consolidating there, so... That tends to make me believe that we're going to break out of the 200-day moving average. So here I'll post this chart. And for people listening on the podcast, if you go to the website, bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash E271, this will be episode 271, you can find the charts that I'm talking about here. Um, all right, that is the S&P 500. Let's take a look at the interest rates, this would be the U.S. 10-year, and it's coming in at 3.7, uh, sorry, 3.73. And remember, the bottom of that Fed funds range is 3.75. So the 10-year is still below the Fed funds range with about 15 days to go, two weeks to go till the Fed funds meeting or the FOMC meeting. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, my thing is, if these rates continue to fall, despite what the Fed is doing, then they're going to have to pivot. And I think they've already started a slow pivot. So they've already added in November, they added a 
a new sentence to their press release, and that was they're looking at the cumulative effect of their policies, not on uh, like a one-off month-to-month basis, but they're looking at a cumulative effect. So that is a difference, a change in direction. And people are like, oh, what's a pivot? What's a pivot? Everyone's changing the definition of pivot, but really we're not, okay? A pivot is a change in direction as far as I'm concerned. And they've started to change direction, at least in the November meeting. And if they go down to say 50 basis points, that is definitely a change of direction. And then we'll have to evaluate how like dovish the the press releases for December. But also there is this problem that I've talked about with the ability to pivot or the ability to end a tightening cycle. We all know that the Fed says there's a terminal rate that they're coming close to. It's either it's, you know, at this meeting or it's at the next few meetings in 2023 or whatever, but there's going to be a terminal rate. But guess what the market's going to do then? The market's going to front run and all of your effects that you're hoping to get out of your last couple rate hikes aren't going to work, whatever they are. So because, you know, of course the Fed doesn't do anything mechanical to get the what they want. They have to use uh, forward guidance and expectations. So the market is just going to front run their last few interest rate hikes. So what they're trying to do is they'll have all their governors go out there and they'll, um, try to mold the narrative towards the way they want it leading up to the meeting. And um, they have to have some sort of uncertainty around what they're going to do in, in a, to enable them to not be front run. And so anyway, that, that's, that's another aspect we have to pay attention to, but they ha- they're running out of time. They have two weeks to get this 10 year and even the 30 year let's, well, let's, where's the 30 year at? Let me pull this up here. 30 year, 3.77. So it is right at the bottom of that Fed funds range. It was below it yesterday. Um, so yeah, they have two weeks to get some of these rates up there. If they don't, will they pivot? And I think I think they will be forced to pivot. So we'll see, we'll see how that works out. Okay. Um, what other charts or macro stuff? Do I have to talk about? Not much. I mean, gold, we don't need to talk about that. Okay, let's take a look at a couple other stories, and then I'll open this up to comments from Telegram. The first one is this Apple stuff. Oh, my gosh, guys. This is crazy. So it's come out that Apple turned off their airdrop feature, and I don't know. I don't have an iPhone. But I guess this Apple or this airdrop feature is a way to send messages peer to peer almost like between just like a messaging app but um so they shut off this airdrop feature in china right as these riots were taking off and i don't know what the makeup of the ownership of phones over there in china is whether they own mostly androids i know huawei you know obviously uses android operating system not the um, ios but I'm sure there's a pretty high proportion of people that have have iPhones. But anyway, so they turned this off to help the communists over there in China uh, to help them crush dissent. And now tying this, well, let me just read this story. As uh, uh, <laughs> the very first sentence gets to what I was going to lead into. So uh, as it moles kicking Elon Musk's Twitter off the App Store, 
It has now been revealed that Apple restricted the use of AirDrop in China, a move that harmed the organizational efforts of demonstrators protesting against the CCP's lockdowns. Over the last week, multiple major cities across China have seen massive protests against lockdowns and the normally compliant Chinese exploding into rage in response to their government's zero COVID policy. Well, first off, they're their outrage is not just zero COVID. That's a big part of it, but also their economy is collapsing and that's going to make people pretty upset. Much of the unrest blew up in response to an incident in Xinjiang uh, where at least 10 people, some say up to 40, were killed during an apartment fire because lockdown rules stopped residents from fleeing the burning building. Most of the city's residents have been prevented from leaving their homes for over 100 days as a result of the draconian rules that that are still in place nearly three years after the pandemic began. So Apple is helping the communists in China to squash dissent. And they are also thinking about kicking Twitter off of the App Store and helping the global communists, the global Marxists, crush dissent in the West. I mean, this Apple is... This is a very, very bad look. I always thought that Apple was the one of the least woke kind of technology companies. You know, they stood up against the FBI about unlocking that iPhone and stuff. Um, I guess I don't follow them as much as I should, but uh, th- this is really, really bad. I don't think it's going to affect, I don't think they're going to do it to Twitter. I think that's too big to do, but it's crazy that they're even thinking about it. They're openly helping communists, both in China and in the West. This is horrible. All right, what else do we have? Um, another story about iPhone pro- uh, production in China. So COVID delays look like, or sorry, uh, yeah, COVID delays of iPhone Pros, because remember Foxconn is where a lot of those iPhone Pros, I think maybe all iPhone Pros are made in the world, uh, are assembled at this Foxconn factory that had this big riots over the last month and wait time or delays seem to be almost close to 40 days to get those out. And it'll probably continue to go up if they can't get their um, production figured out here. So, and that's a really big thing because like Foxconn is a big employer for this. They employ hundreds of thousands of people at this campus. It's a huge employer for this province probably a third or a half of this province's total exports are like iPhones. Whatever it is, it's huge. And so this is just tax revenue. It's also the living wages for all these people. They're not happening. That's really, really bad for these local governments, these local provinces. Another thing that's pushing people towards uh, rioting over there. All right. So that's going to do it. And for me, I'm going to open it up for you guys on Telegram if you want to make any comments. And while I'm looking for hands to be raised over on Telegram, just a little admin for people on Twitter Spaces. Welcome. Finally getting this app to work. It hasn't didn't work for me well last week, but it's working right now. Uh, if you want to join the Telegram, t.me for slash Bitcoin and Markets. Also, check out all my podcasts. All these live streams go out on a podcast app and just search for Bitcoin and markets in any podcast app and you'll find it. We're also on Rumble and Odyssey. Just waiting for some hands on Telegram if anybody has a topic or a comment. All right. Last thing then what I'll say is um, 
Uh, DT made a good comment. He's listening here in on Telegram. Uh, thanks for listening today, DT. But uh, you had a comment on the Jason Lowry stuff, and I wanted to read it out because I thought it was a very balanced comment. So the the bot. Well, I'm just going to summarize it because it's pretty long. But uh, this, to summarize it is, you said that um, a lot of people are trying to they're bringing up old news with Jason Lowry and he said this violent stuff over a year ago and stuff. I, I think he did say something more recently than that, but also I tried yesterday. I tried to, if you guys haven't listened to that, go back and listen to yesterday's live stream, but I tried to um, take apart multiple layers of his thesis. You know, he's a very linear thinker from point A to point B and that's not how the world works. That's how nothing in nature is work. There are no straight lines in nature. Um, and he that's how he try that's how he sees the world. That's how he makes his arguments in a very linear way. And so I, I wasn't attacking necessarily his one use of that term violence. Um, I was attacking the entire thesis, at least in my opinion, I was trying to do that. So uh, but I think that's a very important point that you bring up, DT, because um yeah, Bitcoin has these toxic maximalists, which I am one, and I think we need toxicity. That is our pre-emergent, you know, our, our weed pre-emergent for the Bitcoin space. For all the green shoots in Bitcoin, toxicity is the pre-emergent <laughs> against the scam weeds out there. Uh, but also it's part, you know, people have said it's the immune system of Bitcoin to be toxic, and I, I totally agree with that. But at the same time, I can tell that dt you've been around for a while and you have this this um mature outlook on this and uh jason lowry has some good stuff i mean he he is a valuable voice out there in the space and uh, so i don't want any of my stuff to come across as vicious or attacking him i'm trying to keep it to the arguments at least so hope that makes sense for everybody double check on hands see if there's any comments out there all right. Well, that's going to do it for today. Thanks for joining me, everybody, on Twitter Spaces and Telegram. Again, join the Telegram, t.me for slash Bitcoin and Markets. Check out uh, Bitcoin and Markets and all the podcast apps and on Rumble and Odyssey. Otherwise, I will see you guys tomorrow. Bye.